Welcome to the Positive Talk Podcast with hosts Julie Homrich and Mandy Allison. You picked a great day to join in the conversation as two therapists, Julie and Mandy, merge faith and psychology to help you live with greater peace and purpose. Thanks again for joining us today for the Positive Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Julie and Mandy. It's a great day to find an encouraging and positive word here at the Positive Talk Podcast. And thank you so much for that introduction. I am especially excited today because I'm joined in the studio by my good friend and fellow therapist, Mandy Allison, who is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. That's a long title, Mandy. (laughs) But not only are we both therapists, but we are both parents. And today we are going to discuss something here on the podcast that I think every parent or grandparent or aunt, uncle, teacher, or really anyone who has any interaction with children can relate to and hopefully benefit from. So today we are going to discuss what happens when our children don't act, react, behave, or just in general, live as we want them to. So we're going to talk about one reason why this makes us so angry at times and what we can do about it. Thank you for having me, Julie. I appreciate being here always, and I love this topic, so this is going to be a great one today. Um, I definitely think, I agree with you 100%, anyone who has children or who works with children or um, you know, have children in their lives in any capacity. We all have expectations for those children's in our lives. Mm-hmm. Children in our lives. Um, before you become a parent, you may have seen the kids whining in the grocery store um, or throwing a tantrum and, and thought to yourself, "I'd never allow my child yes. to act that way." Um, or maybe you're a teacher or a coach who gets perpetually frustrated when kids in your environment can't seem to get it together. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter where you are in your parenting or childcare experiences, children have the capacity to bring up some pretty strong emotions in us, Mm. um, in, in the adults. Wouldn't you agree with that, Julie? Yes, absolutely. You know, ever since becoming a parent, I've said this so many times, parenting will bring out every control issue you've ever had. I think because the role of parent, it inherently carries this level of responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. To teach, to care for, to steward, to raise our children. And with this responsibility, I think sometimes we carry these either um, implicit or explicit expectations um, of ourselves, of our children. And I think, Mandy, it's only natural that we do have some preconceived notions about parenting and how we will raise our kids, right? We want to have a vision for our parenting. But the challenge here comes when we measure the success of our parenting or the vision of our parenting, which that's within our control, right? How Mm -hmm. we parent. But if we measure success by our kids' choices or their behavior, which is not always within our control. And then we attach our identity or our security or our personal satisfaction to their behaviors or life choices. I think it becomes problematic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we think about what are we responsible for? We are responsible to be faithful in our parenting, to set healthy boundaries around our children, to model healthy behavior to them. But at the end of the day, I almost wonder if parenting is mostly at the core about trusting God with the child or the children 
that he has entrusted to us. I think when we don't do this, we end up parenting at times from a place of anger. Um, We can be angry at our kids or toward them for maybe not living up to our expectations of them. And there's an author, Dan Allender, and he said something that I thought was really, really interesting and a tad bit convicting. He said, quote, one of the biggest sources of conflict between you and your kid is when they refuse to bow down to your idols. Ouch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was convicting for me. Yes, absolutely. Right. I completely agree with that statement, but I would be lying if I said it didn't sting a little. It does. It's home, right? Yeah. If I'm being honest, some of my biggest frustrations as a parent have come from my inability to control something either about my child or control a certain outcome from Mm -hmm. my efforts. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important here to highlight what an idol is. Yeah. I love the way that Tim Keller defines it. He says that an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel like my life has meaning. I'll know that I have value and I'll feel significant and secure. Hmm. So basically, it's something that we invest in and we look to in order to feel good about ourselves. Um, And and our kids can be a huge source of our own attempts to feel good about ourselves if we're not careful. Yes, I think so many parents um, can even unintentionally place their own happiness Mm. um, and their own value and sense of self-worth and even their identity and how their kids act or what their kids accomplish. Mm -hmm. We can get caught up in that trap of letting our kids represent us and our image being hinged upon our kids. Um, Kind of that mindset of if my kid's on the honor roll or is in the gifted program, it will reflect well on me. Mm -hmm. If my kid's obedient, I'll be seen as a good parent. If my child excels in athletics, I'll fit in with this group. And, you know, those kinds of things. On the flip side, though, is this. If my kid has a tantrum, people are going to judge me. Mm. If my kid is more reclusive and not incredibly social, I'll be embarrassed in social settings. If my kid struggles in school, people will look down on me. Um, So when our kids have unconventional issues or they don't take the path that we preconceive for them and we get frustrated or embarrassed or upset, I think it can actually highlight some of our own insecurities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our, Our need for control, our desire for convenience, the importance of status or image to us. Um, tends to get highlighted in those Mm -hmm. situations. And sometimes it's not something bad necessarily. It's not bad to desire comfort um, or peace in your home or a well-ordered life. The problem comes, I think, when we need those things in order Mm -hmm. to be happy and we rely on our kids providing them for us. And we rely on our kids providing our sense of identity. Yeah. So I think what I hear, hear you saying is that when we make good things into idols. We do that when we place our identity in those Mm -hmm. good things, right? And I think you said it best, Mandy, when you said that we as parents can sometimes place our our own happiness or even our identity and how our kids act or what they accomplish. Um, And I think even with consistency and consistent discipline and all the love and compassion and support in the world... Sometimes our kids just won't act the way we want (laughs) them to. (laughs) Every parent knows that. Yes. And I think that is the very nature of being a child. You know, if they knew how to do everything maturely, we'd call them adults, right? We wouldn't call them children. 
we both know that even adults don't always act maturely all the time. Uh, Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) So I was thinking about this. My oldest came to me a couple days ago and he was apologizing to me for something. He wrote it out and he wrote, I apologize for my immature behavior. And I was (laughs) like, okay, well, you know, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I accept your apology. Um, I just just want you to know that, you know, part of being a child is that you're going to be Absolutely. immature sometimes. Yep. We will work toward building maturity. We mm-hmm. will grow and we will learn in that way. So kids, they're, they're just learning. And mm-hmm. I think a part of our role is to help them learn without letting our idols get in the way. Yes. And that is the hard part. Mm -hmm. That's easier said than done because Mm -hmm. we don't always recognize what our idols are. We don't always recognize the root of those emotions and those feelings that are being produced in us Mm -hmm. when our kids do, you know, things a certain way. Um, Definitely. I love what you said about, you know, kids being naturally immature. And, And this one was hard for me as a young mom to really grasp because, you know, I was taught and trained and kind of raised with this philosophical, you know, parenting philosophy that I'm training my kids to be adults. Mm -hmm. And that is true. I'm definitely training my kids to be adults. And so everything I do when I teach my kids or or in raising my kids is with the mindset Mm -hmm. of helping them become productive, functional adults, good good humans. That's what I always say. I want my kids to be good humans. I like that. What I've had to come to learn though in my parenting journey is that's not a fast process Mm -hmm. and that they're not already adults. And so, you know, the frontal lobe of kids' brains are not fully developed yet. Yeah. They don't have... (laughs) Until they're like 25, right? Right, right, exactly. And and for some kids, it's, it's, you know, longer than others, older than others, but, but their frontal lobe is not fully developed yet. And so while they certainly have the capacity to learn and they're, you know, they're able to um, develop in time, there are limits yeah. to how mature they can act. Mm-hmm. Um, there's limits to their ability to process and their ability to do things like critically think. Yes. <laughs> and and their impulsivity is to be expected because mm-hmm. that's the part of the brain that, that's still you know, developing. Exactly. That, that um, controls that area. And mm-hmm. so we teach them and we train them and we make progress, but that's what discipline is. It's a training process. Mm-hmm. It's correction. They haven't arrived yet. None of us have arrived yes. yet. You know, I'm still learning and I'm still training myself in areas mm-hmm. and my brain is fully developed. Yes. And so we have to kind of, you know, take that into consideration when training them. Yes, we want to teach them how to act like a productive adult, but realize that they don't have the capacity quite yet to do it the way an adult would do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speaking of discipline, I love how the root word for discipline is to teach, Mm -hmm. it's disciple, to teach, to learn. And I know for me personally, whenever, you know, my kid is, is maybe having a learning moment, Mm -hmm. we'll put it that way. And I kind of start to get that kind of angry feeling, you know, rising up inside of me. Like, have you ever done the, um, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to admit it. Have you ever done like the clenched mouth, like, you know, like your mouth is clenched and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, but I think for me, whenever I kind of start to feel that way, if I really stop for a moment to think about it, it's usually that I'm elevating my need for one of those things you mentioned earlier, control, Mm -hmm. convenience, status, image. Usually I'm elevating that above my child's need to be able to be imperfect and to be able to be 
just a kid who's learning and growing. And, you know, I think for many people, it can be tempting to get even more rigid in those moments, right? Try to control our kids even more. Absolutely. Not because it's the best way for them to learn in that moment, not necessarily because of that, but because it's more for us, right? We, We feel like if we can just control them enough, then it'll reduce our feelings of discomfort. Absolutely. Here's the deal though. When I do this, and I'm just owning up to it because mm-hmm. I do it at times. When I allow my child's behaviors to kind of ruin my mood, I am actually giving my child much more power than is good or healthy for them. Yes, that is the truest statement ever. And, you know, if my mood or my responses, they're tethered to their behavior. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I am reducing my peace to the level of compliance of my child's behavior. So if they're acting good, I'm feeling good. But when you think about it, that's kind of a working definition of being codependent, (laughs) right? Absolutely. If our happiness is dependent on someone else. Mm -hmm. And come to think of it, I was thinking about this the other day when, you know, my child was kind of triggering me and I thought, gosh, they're they're young and they're learning and, you know, this sweet little soul – who, you know, as a toddler, they can't decide which sippy cup color to use. Like, yeah. why am I giving them the ability to control my entire mood? Absolutely. Um, I think this happens, this is kind of what happens when we make children's behavior into an idol in our lives. Um, I'm curious to ask you, Mandy, why do you think we do this? Well, I mean, that's that's a great question, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I always say that God is the perfect parent mm. and look how out of control his kids are. Wow. <laughs> right? I mean, that is, t- all that is us, true. All of us are a little bit on our own path yes. and, and you know, we're, we're kind of wayward kids at times and he has done everything right in parenting mm-hmm. us. So we can do everything right as parents. And of course, none of us do everything right. right? <laughs> yeah. We're not perfect parents, but even if we did, we can still have kids that don't comply, mm. that don't adjust well, that don't like certain things, that make poor choices, that rebel against us. I mean, that's what we all do as adults at times. Oh, I feel like this is so important, like for those, you know, perfectionistic parents, yes. right? Where we have yes. these self-imposed pressure on ourselves yeah. to produce these children yes. that are in a certain way and, and recognizing kind of that parallel of God being the perfect parent. Yeah. We are, you know, we're imperfect people. We're going to make those mistakes sometimes. Yeah, and all the self-blame for mm-hmm. when we don't get the certain outcome that we want, it must be our fault. We failed as a parent. Yeah. And, and we're not responsible for the outcome. Yeah. We're responsible for what we do, but we can't control the outcome. To be faithful in the process. I exactly. love that. Exactly. Our best efforts, certainly they can help guide our kids. They don't guarantee outcomes, mm-hmm. though. Our kids are human. They're tiny little sinful creatures, just like <laughs> we we adults are larger sinful creatures. Yeah. They have their own personalities, their own DNA, their own free will, and all those things are going to affect the outcomes. Mm-hmm. It's not just about what we do. I think sometimes there's this mindset that there's a formula with kids. Yeah, and if, if anyone tells you that, <laughs> <They're> <laughs> they lying. Say, this is going to work for every child no. in every stage of life. No. Uh, not, no. No, and really we tend to kind of think that in general. I think we as humans – Tend to want a formula for everything. Yeah, and and life and society kind of works that way. If you go to work, you get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. If you show up on time, you keep your job. If you're mm-hmm. late, you lose your job. We kind of have this works based yes. system uh-huh. in in our life, um, and we tend to kind of transfer that into relationships mm-hmm. and transfer that onto our kids. And it, it doesn't work that way. Um, there's not a formula 
that works with kids, kind of that mindset of if we teach them well and raise them right, they'll be good and they'll be compliant and they'll become productive adults. But if we don't raise them right, then they'll misbehave and get bad grades and struggle as adults. It's Mm -hmm. not a formula like that. Um, The way we raise our kids certainly affects our kids' actions and their health and their well-being, but it's not the end-all be-all. It's not a formula. It's not not a guarantee. guarantee. Yeah. It's certainly not the only factor, right? There were 12 disciples that walked closely with Jesus, and they had the best mentor, the best teacher, the best father figure that ever lived, and they didn't all act the same. That's true. One of them betrayed him. Another one denied him. They all had different paths that they took. He didn't Mm -hmm. lead them differently, but they had different outcomes. Mm. So when we attach our own identity and our own security and our image to another unpredictable human, especially a young, (laughs) immature one, right, we'll experience a lot of insecurity and embarrassment and ultimately guilt. Mm. And I think that these feelings of insecurity and embarrassment usually cover themselves up with anger. Okay. I want to stop there for a second because that is so important. We say in the therapeutic world a lot, anger is a secondary emotion. Yes. It's kind of a cover-up emotion. Yes. There's usually something beneath it. Insecurity, yes. embarrassment, mm-hmm. fear. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I find those are the three big ones. Mm-hmm. Embarrassment, insecurity, and fear mm-hmm. usually will disguise themselves as anger. As anger. Because anger helps us feel like we can do something about it, right? Instead yes. of feeling vulnerable. Yes. Those feelings are vulnerable feelings. No one, they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Nobody likes them. Anger yeah. is a little bit more bold. It's a little <laughs> bit more of us in control, although we're not in control in that moment. <laughs> right, but but right. we fool ourselves into thinking that we are. That's true. So when our emotions are unhealthily attached to our kids, we will either feel pride when our kids are good or angry when they're bad. Mm. And again, that anger is often a disguise for that insecurity and that embarrassment. And I love what you said earlier about why would we give our children such power Mm -hmm. over our moods and over Mm -hmm. our lives and over our own sense of self-worth? That's a lot for them to carry too, you know, for them to realize that, uh, you know, they're, they need a parent who is able to be, I think, kind of steady and secure. And yeah. we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have, you know, yeah. challenges. But when we tether our sense of security to them, mm-hmm. um, that that is not... Too much for it, them to yeah. carry. Yeah. <laughs> it's way too much for them to carry. Yeah. And I think it goes both ways. Like you said, you know, we either end up angry or we end up prideful when we attach our worth to our children's behavior. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, these these kids, they're young, they're inexperienced, yeah. they're human, right? Yeah. Now, for those of you who may not be involved in the evangelical church, or maybe you're hearing the term idol, and you're if you've stayed with us this long, and you're thinking, what? What are they what talking about? That? Yeah. But what we're talking about here, because we're always merging faith and psychology, there's also a rising field of parenting psychology called conscious parenting. So it's all about identifying our own triggers in parenting first so that we can parent and connect and discipline our kids without all the baggage of our past or our trauma or that kind of alluring pull to control our children in order to feel better about ourselves. Um, This way of parenting isn't easy. Um, I think it's difficult. It's, it's really difficult yeah. to approach parenting with this sort of, I'm going to check my own heart first perspective, but it helps us grow as humans and it teaches our children two really important things. One, it teaches them that they aren't responsible for our happiness or other people's happiness for that matter, which like you said, Manny, that's a massive weight yeah. too heavy for a child to carry. But two, it also teaches them, you know, as they see us own our own responses and not tether our worth 
to their actions or inaction, they can learn to own their own responses first instead of blaming everyone else. Have you ever been around people who just, no matter what happens, it's you, you made me angry or Mm -hmm. you did this to me or you did that to me. I see that so much. And I think both of those, but especially that second one, are such valuable lessons for kids and even adults to learn Mm -hmm. to own their responses and their feelings rather than blaming someone else for them. That is just so rampant in our society today is Mm -hmm. blaming, blame shifting. It's always someone else's fault for my my reaction or the way that I feel. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you hear this all the time. So-and-so made me feel this way. Um, and, and I think sometimes we need to take back ownership of our own feelings. Of course, people contribute to the way that we feel, but sure. we own our feelings. And I love that concept of teaching our kids to own their feelings, um, yes. to own their response and their feelings rather than blaming someone else. Well, and whenever people say that, I think, you know, you said when people say, well, you made me mad, yes. right? And we're able to recognize, yes, people have an influence on us. Yes. But if someone says, you know, it's because of them that I'm doing this or I'm feeling this, yeah. I will stop at times and say, wow, it sounds like you're giving them a, a lot, lot of, of power. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's a great article on this topic by Jennifer Phillips um, in it. She quotes Paul Tripp's approach to parenting when Mm -hmm. he says, we're often mad at our children, not because they've broken God's law, but because they've gotten in the way of the laws of our peace and our comfort. (laughs) Yeah. There are moments when we get mad at our kids and our... You know, we're we're mad at the fact that our children need us to walk down the hall and parent them once more. Ooh, that's children. <laughs> uh huh. Children will unequivocally require us to lay aside our idols of things like comfort or even sleep. Oh yeah, especially or, in those early yeah, days. Uninterrupted self focus, me time. You know, mm-hmm. our image, our peace. And again, some of those things are good things. They're not bad things. But when we need them in order to be happy, and we get angry at our kids for interrupting them, then they kind of verge on that idol, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. concept. The verse uh, in the Bible in Proverbs that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. It's used so often, I think, in the church to reinforce us parents to raise our kids right. Right, right. And and that's a, a, a broad concept. But if you really look deeper into what that verse means... Um, it's not just about raising our kids right. I am all for raising our kids with intention and purpose. Yeah. I, I think, you know, parenting is a passion of mine and I've been really tried to do it well. Um, but not everyone trains the same way. Right. Not every child has the same abilities or the same personalities or the same strengths and weaknesses. So when we're training kids, we have to train them in a way that's effective mm-hmm. for them. For them. And that may not all look the same. Sometimes that means that we're training them in ways that are unconventional or difficult for us mm-hmm. or not the way we're used to. Right. Or the way we were. Or the way we were. <laughs> so, and sometimes we should vary away from the way that we were trained because sometimes it wasn't so great. It's a good thing to examine that, right? right? I I don't always want to do things the way my parents do them. They did the best they could, of course, but you know, it's not gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, Some kids will excel in this area, in these areas, and some will fall behind. It's human nature. And so training is different. And and it requires adjustment and flexibility. Flexibility is a huge piece. And I think to go back to that verse you mentioned, 
I think the the inflection on certain words in that that training verse mm-hmm. is so important. So sometimes we focus and we'll say, you know, train up yes. a child in the way he should go. We focus so much on this yes. this training piece um, that we forget to really also focus on train up a child in the way he, he should, should go, go. Yes. Um, the way that's specific to their unique wiring yep. and. Their unique wiring may, in fact, be very different than ours. I think sometimes we expect our kids to be like these mini versions of us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But really, like we can celebrate the child that they are, um, even if it's kind of different from us. Um, You know, Mandy, I think I was thinking about this when just in thinking about um, parenting and our culture. And I think we kind of live in this culture right now that prioritizes how things look mm-hmm. over how they truly are. The social media age. Yeah. You know, so many of us, we can get busy curating a life that looks good, mm-hmm. that we don't take the time to identify what in life actually feels good or is good, mm-hmm. right? But when we operate from a conscious parenting perspective, when we identify our own idols and we help our kids to learn to identify theirs, we teach them that living for the opinions of others is fleeting, mm-hmm. but we also get back to living our core values. Yes. So instead of telling a child, okay, you know, don't hit your brother because it looks bad or, you know, even it's the wrong thing to do, we step back to the heart behind it and mm-hmm. we remind them, okay, you know what, buddy, it's not exactly loving towards your brother to clock him in the face, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love what you said, um, going back just a bit where you said living for the opinions of others is fleeting Mm. and we get back to living our core values. Um, one of the, the things that I try to focus on in my counseling practice is, when people come to me, clients come to me and they're feeling dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. it's usually because they're not living their core values. That is so true. We're somehow off on our values and our values are going one direction and our behaviors and our actions are going another. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't recognize how they've gotten off that path. But if I can help bring them back to living their core values, that's when true satisfaction is going to happen. That is so true. And sometimes, you know, they have a core value, but they're not able to live it because they're a people pleaser or they're so busy wanting to, uh, you know, make other people happy that they end up straying from their values Mm -hmm. and then they're so dissatisfied and they're unhappy. And so we have to work on that concept of going back to living your core values. So that's for our listeners right now. One thing, you know, that they can, you can think about, okay, so in terms of what are your core values for yourself? What are your core values for your parenting? Your family. Um, Your family. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you live out of that place? And are your actions and your parenting styles Aligning Align. with those values yeah. or are they contradictory to those yeah, values? It's so good. And you know, discipline's all about correction. It's teaching, as you mentioned earlier. Um, so we teach our kids not to hit their brother, of course, but we also try to teach them the why mm-hmm. about it. We try to instill some empathy in them because right or wrong isn't what it's all about. It's about the heart behind the issue. So we want to instill some empathy in them by helping them understand that hitting hurts. Yeah. And God asks us to love each other and hurting isn't loving. (laughs) It's true. So it's not because it's inappropriate. That was something I was always told when I was younger. Don't do this. It's inappropriate. (laughs) Um, And as much as I love that word and I use it a lot, our kids don't grasp that concept. And that's Mm -hmm. not the why behind, Mm -hmm. you know, why we do certain things. Or because I said so, right? Yeah, the because I said so. My dad had a shirt that 
that said, because I said so, yeah. that's why. Yeah. I, I do, you know, default into that every now and then when, when my kids challenge me. I hate when they ask me why. Why? When I ask them to do something and they ask me why. It's so tempting to be because You know what I do I sometimes? So. Do sometimes it. I say, why not? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I like that. And then my kids are like, oh, dang it. She beat me at my own yeah. game. Sometimes I'll ask them to go ahead and obey and then we'll talk about the why afterwards. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's so tempting that the because I said so. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, having authority, authority in, in your, your family. Home. Yeah. But ultimately we're models for our kids. Yeah. We have to teach them the whys. And if we parent in humility, then we teach them how to be humble. Mm. If we parent in pride, on the contrary, we're teaching them to be prideful. Mm. Um, we can teach them to respect our authority without giving them the illusion that we're perfect. Yeah. Um, and that's a big one, I think. We um, we can apologize when we get something wrong or when we act unloving. And of course we do. We sin yeah. to our kids, with mm-hmm. our kids, in front of our kids. We can acknowledge our own sins while we simultaneously teach values and morals and have a reasonable expectation for them. Mm, and I think if we have that idol of, of status or image or perfection, this is hard to do, yes. right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Because we're supposed to be in control. We're supposed to be in charge. We're supposed to have it all together. And we, we try to project that image onto our kids a lot of times. And I know I certainly felt that about my parents. They never messed up. Mm. And so if I made a mistake, if I sinned, if I messed up, it was hard for me to acknowledge that because I didn't think they could relate. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they would understand. Wow. So, you know, if we can humble ourselves and acknowledge our mistakes, if we can't do that, how can we expect our kids to learn to do that? Yeah, that's so true. I feel like, you know, for a lot of times in parenting, we get stuck on the shame train, right? Mm -hmm. Like we make a mistake and instead of acknowledging it, apologizing. What does shame do? It leads you to hide. It leads you to blame. It leads you to deflect, right? But when we acknowledge it, we are teaching our kids how to apologize. Absolutely. We're modeling it. Absolutely. Modeling it goes back to modeling. Modeling is the best form of parenting. Of course, we want our kids to respect us. Absolutely. And But respect comes most easily when someone knows you love them and that you have their best interest at Mm -hmm. heart. It's not just when you demand it. So one of my favorite sayings as a parent has always been, and I don't even know where I first heard this. It was a pastor of mine years and years ago, and I don't know where he got it from. But I've always said this, rules with relationship equal respect. Mm. And rules without relationship equals rebellion. Ooh, say that again. Rules with relationship equals respect. But rules without relationship equals rebellion. And that's so true in our relationship with our Heavenly Father as well, yes. right? We, yeah. we, we are able to recognize the rules in light of the relationship. Because we know He loves us and the rules are there because He loves us and because there's relationship and there's grace. And it's mm-hmm. not just rules because I said so. Mm-hmm. And and when, when people have rules and expectations put on them and there's no relationship from the rule giver, they're going to rebel naturally mm-hmm. against those rules. But if there's a relationship there, if you know I love you and you know I care about you and I want your safety and I want your best interest at heart, then that's when true respect comes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next time you find anger rising up in you based on something your child did, um, consider if it's hitting an idol in your mm. own life. And if so, acknowledge it so you can respond to the child in front of you with clear eyes and a clear heart. I like that. It, it's almost like acknowledging it um, and repenting of it yes. kind of gives us a clearer perspective Absolutely. in which to parent. And models that for our kids as well. That is so true. Okay. So what does this look like 
practically when our kid is like acting out or, you know, in public or at home. I had one guy come up to me when my toddler was little and he was, you know, having a moment in a grocery store and he came over and he said, they always hit you where it hurts the most. And I'm like, what? And he's like, in public. Yep. <laughs> like, so oh, gosh. Yep. It's but like they wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> but when we parent consciously by identifying our own idols, separating our identity from our children's behavior, we're able to kind of have this paradigm shift. Um, I think we're able to look at negative behavior instead of like, oh, they're trying to be, you know, bad or they're, you know, trying to yeah, rebel. We can look at it as this is an unlearned skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I mean by this, one of my favorite parenting experts, his name is Ross Green. He reminds us that when a kid is having a hard time and they're triggering us, we can take a step back, not take it personally. This is identifying you know, mm-hmm. those issues in our own heart. And instead of getting angry, and I think sometimes people think, oh, my kid's just giving me a hard time. Mm-hmm. But Ross Green, you know, he says, maybe you're not, your kid's not giving you a hard time. Maybe they're having a hard time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, and I love that concept. And it goes back to that whole, um, that concept, what you said, said earlier about maybe they're not rebelling. It's just an unlearned skill. And, and it can be both. You know, maybe they right. are rebelling, but they're rebelling mm-hmm. because, like you said, they're having a hard time. Well, their skill or, is that they don't know how to submit right. <laughs> to authority, right? right. Or they, they, they don't know. Know how yet. to handle that emotion yeah. that they're having in that moment, and so they're rebelling as as an that act of rebellion is because of an unlearned skill. So there's a why behind it. It's yes. not that they're evil, you yeah. know, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Well, I think for us as parents, it's our role to clear our own heart, and from there we can operate from that kind of unlearned or lagging skills perspective. So, what does this look like? practically, let's say, you know, for a kid, I always use a kid in the grocery store because it's just so Mm -hmm. common. But I think it's funny. I see these little kids and they're like, you know, two or something and they're in the car and they're in like the candy aisle and they're like, they're two. So like self-control is a muscle, right? Like it gets built over time. When you've only had two years on this earth, like your self-control muscle is still pretty small. Mine mine can be a little weak sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, we're adults, right? And so when we have these kids in these environments and, you know, it's like, okay, their lagging skill is that their self-control muscle is just not strong enough right now. Um, to resist this this temptation. And that doesn't mean we hand over the candy. Exactly. That doesn't mean we have to give in to them, but we're recognizing the why behind their behavior. Exactly. And it's something that we, when we look at it that way, we can think, okay, this just shows me that we need to work on building the self-control muscle, Mm -hmm. right? It takes time. Um, For a teen, you know, I have a lot of teens in my practice and some of them, they struggle with peer pressure. You know, they kind of want to make decisions that are not in line with their values because of others. And at that point, it's like, okay, it's not like, oh, parent, you've done everything wrong and now your child is acting this way. It's, hey, maybe their unlearned skill is how to set and keep boundaries. Maybe they need to learn that no is a complete sentence, right? Mm -hmm. These are just skills they need to learn. It takes time. It takes gradual exposure and small wins along the way. We celebrate those things. And we are able to do this, I think, more effectively when we actually consider the child in front of us. I think parenting from a place of wholeness, it mm-hmm. requires us to parent the child in front of us, not this idea of what or who we wish our child to be yeah. in the moment, right? Yeah. Now, over time, 
as we do that, as we parent the needs of the child in front of us, oftentimes our child grows and matures into the best version of themselves. Yeah. And not only that, we can take a look at our lagging skill. As yes. a parent in the moment In the too, moment, yeah. Right? What I are have we that lacking? in the grocery store. I'm like, oh, there's something in me that is not oh, yeah. developed my, right my now. My children have tried and tested every parenting skill I have. Yeah. And so, yeah, I have to look at that. What is my lagging skill as a parent? Sometimes is it patient? Mm-hmm. Patience? Is it lack of self-care to the point where we're trying to do so much we don't have room for our Ooh, children's growing pain moments? That's a big one. I recognize that when I start snapping at my kids, yeah. I think, wow, I haven't made space. Yeah, for me. For me, and I haven't built up that ability to be patient because I'm I'm just at my wit's end right now. Absolutely. And sometimes we we consider self-care or doing me time and doing things for ourselves to be selfish, mm-hmm. but we're actually better parents, of course, when we take care of ourselves. Yeah. And, and so that's something to look at as well. I love that. You know, what if whenever our child hits our trigger button <laughs> with uh-huh. their behavior, what if we paused to consider what we need in that moment as a parent in order to respond in a loving, maybe sometimes firm, like mm-hmm. my kids know, like I will straight up walk out of the grocery store without anything. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, like, me too. Just, I have left full carts yeah, right there in the full aisle. Carts. Mm-hmm. But staying connected. Yes. Understanding they're, you know, they're expressing their emotions doesn't mean they're going to get what they want every time, Um, but we're able to stay connected emotionally. And discipline doesn't mean I hate you or I'm mad Mm -hmm. at you. I learned early on, and I'm glad that I did because we practice this in our home a lot, to love my kids when I'm disciplining them. Mm. I can be firm and I can hold a boundary and I can initiate a consequence, but I do it by telling them, hey, I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you. And I don't want to take this thing away from you. And I don't mm-hmm. want to enact this consequence, but I'm going to because yeah. you broke the boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love you. And this doesn't mean that I think less of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that I think you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that I think you're amazing and I think you're awesome and I believe in you and you're going to you're gonna do better next mm-hmm. time. But here's mm-hmm. the consequence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can yeah. be firm and loving at the same time. And sometimes there's natural consequences that just come oh, from absolutely. living life. I'm a big fan of natural consequences for sure. Um, and, and this is not easy. It's no. a process. We talk about this as if it's easy and, and we've got it all together and We're I'm over, still learning. We swap stories all the time, <laughs> yeah. you and I, about parenting Absolutely. stuff. We, we don't have it all together. It's a process and we get better as we practice it. Mm-hmm. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. No, I not conscious parenting. That. No, mm-hmm. no, no. It's, um, gosh, it's a tough job. But I'm convinced that God gives us kids. God gives us children so that we can learn and grow and mature ourselves and become Mm, more like him. So refining. And so they're teaching us as much as we're teaching them. And we need the grace of God to do it well. We need to be patient with ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves. Um, If we've been doing it in less than a healthy way, we need to, you know, understand that, that it's not too late to correct that. It's yes. never too late to change the way we approach parenting. I'm thankful for that grace myself, and I want to teach my kids about the incredible gift of grace too. I think that's the perfect place to end our discussion today. The antidote to idolatry in parenting is grace-based parenting. Yeah. Receiving it, giving it to ourselves, to our children, mm-hmm. allowing God to graciously parent us as we graciously parent our children. And as you said, Mandy, it's never too late to start. 
down that path. No, it's not. So thank you so much for joining us, Mandy. And thank you listeners for joining us today on this week's Positive Talk podcast, where we merge faith and psychology, believing that we can all live a far more peace-filled and purposeful life. We'll be back next week for another episode. And remember, you can always find all of season one and season two and the beginning of season three of the Positive Talk podcast on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks again for listening in and have the best week. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for joining Julie and Mandy for this week's Positive Talk Podcast. We would love to hear from you and tackle a few of your questions. So visit our website at positivetalkpodcast.com and look for the leave a voice note button. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks again and go in peace.